This is Fireproof Your Retirement with Michael J. Markey, Jr. Fireproof Your Retirement is 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Michael's passion is to teach listeners the same thing he's taught clients and prospects, how to take control of their money. It's been this philosophy which has garnished Michael and his firm Legacy Financial Network national attention. In 2010, AM Best featured them as one of the top 10 most innovative agencies in the country. In 2014, Insurance Newsnet magazine featured Michael as a local celebrity and life health pro, named him hero of the insurance industry. Michael's even been given the Moving America Forward Award by William Shatner. Now here's your host, Michael J. Markey Jr. All right, and welcome back, everyone. I want to thank you for joining me again this week. It's truly a pleasure to be with you. And thank you to our new markets here at 1340 AM WJRW News Talk Radio. 98.7 up there in Ludington. Hello, everyone there at WLDN. And of course, lots of love to our flagship station here in Grand Rapids, 102.9 FM WFUR. So this is the show. If you're new, this is the show. We're the only blanket statement we like is that we don't like blanket statements and that our goal and our passion is to change your life by changing the way you look at money. We believe that money doesn't have any meaning, only purpose. And its purpose is to give or to spend. That's all you can do with money. The very end result of every dollar you ever have, you'll either spend it or give it. So thank you for joining us. Welcome. I am your host, Michael Markey. With me today as he is each and every week, we've got producer Mitch doing a fantastic job behind the scenes. So I know it's not everyone's uh, favorite thing to do is talk about finances. So we're going to try to make it fun. We're going to talk today about long-term care. Now, before you get closed up like so many people do when they talk about long-term care, I know you'll never go to a nursing home. No one says they'll ever go to a nursing home. Everyone I ever meet says, well, I've got my own plan. It's called a Smith and a Weston. Do you know what that is, Mike? Of course I know what that is. Yet there's still a lot of people in nursing homes. For some reason, the Smith Weston, Smith and Weston plan doesn't seem to always work. So long-term care may be one of the things we don't like to talk about, but it is important. And too often, when you meet with an advisor or an insurance agent, their way of solving long-term care issues is by giving you long-term care insurance. Now, I'm going to say that long-term care insurance can solve it. It can be a tool, but it's a tool that's oftentimes really, really, uh, how many more reallys do we want? Really, 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 really expensive. It adds up. It's it's one of those insurances that costs in the thousands of dollars per year for something you don't want, hopefully won't ever need. And a lot of people just don't hold on to them. And it's an increasing premium as time goes on. So, Planning for long-term care expenses does not mean buying long-term care insurance. A long-term care plan may or may not have long-term care insurance. And for our clients, most of the time, it does not. We like to use different tools that can avoid paying long-term care expenses without having an insurance premium that just goes on and on and on and goes up and up and up. So what's the average cost? Um, Average cost for this type of care is going to be dependent on where you are receiving the care. So if you're receiving the care at home, it's generally going to be less expensive because I'm going to assume that by the time you need 24-7 nursing nurse care, that you go to a facility. That when your care gets to that level, that you don't stay at home. For the average person, that's when they don't stay at home. 
I'm also going to assume that it's not your kids taking care of you. I know that sometimes that does happen, but a lot of people, it doesn't happen that way for. So what's the average cost? If you're at home, we can plan on um, maybe two to $3,000 a month. It can be more, but that's a pretty good budget. You go into assisted living, we're going to be more like five grand. And if you go into a nursing home, we're going to be more about seven or $8,000 a month. It can be higher, but these are pretty good numbers. Two to three at home, three to five assisted living, seven or eight in a nursing home. Now, obviously at seven or $8,000 a month, that goes up really, really, or it doesn't go up. Um, it drains your assets really, really quickly. That's why when we look as a, a percentage of people um, getting this sort of care, the uh, who's paying for it? The percentage, the overwhelming majority of that type of care in a nursing home is being paid by Medicaid. Now, people often get Medicaid and Medicare mixed up. Which, what is the difference? Medicare, you, here's the easy way to remember it. Medicare we care for our elderly. So Medicare is generally for people 65 and older. And if you're 66, I'm not calling you elderly. It's just the easy way to remember remember that. Medicaid, we give aid to those in need. Care for the elderly, aid to those in need. So you can be 40 years old and be on Medicaid because you're broke. You don't have enough assets and you can go on Medicaid. So the overwhelming majority of long-term care expenses in a facility, it's paid by Medicare and Medicaid. Um, now, as you get older, so we'll talk to insurance agents and oftentimes they'll tell you, well, um, you know, you need five years worth of care or seven years or eight years uh, worth of care. They'll show the average stay in a nursing home is three and a half years. Well, that three and a half years also includes somebody who's 40 years old who gets in a motorcycle accident and they spend the rest of their life in a nursing home. I can tell you from my experience that when we've seen clients go into nursing homes, when they get in their 70s and 80s, it's generally not for three and four years. A lot of times it's um, six months, a year, year and a half. But at eight, even at seven, at seven or eight, nine grand a month, a half a year, that's still a lot of expense. It's 40 grand. Easy. A year, we're talking 80 or 90,000. So we have to make a plan for this. But what I want you to know is as you get older, um, the probability of a longer stay in a nursing home, well, that goes down. And the majority of people, as they get older, what will they use, Medicare or Medicaid? Now, here's how we determine if you can use Medicaid. Let's say you're a married couple and you got the house paid for. Well, they're not going to take the house away from your spouse. They're not going to do that. The rules, the laws don't allow them to do that. Now, remember, we live in a rules-based system. Follow the rules. So the rules allow the spouse to keep the house. The rules allow a spouse to keep one half of the assets up to about 125000 and allows the, the spouse, the healthy spouse, the one not in the nursing home to maintain a car. So what's that mean? Let's say we have $200,000 in assets. The healthy spouse can keep 100,000. They can keep a car. They're gonna keep their social security, but the social security of the recipient, the person whose health has gone bad, that's gonna go to help pay for the nursing home care. And that can create a pretty big wrinkle because if, let's say it's Bob that has $2,000 from social security and Mary, is the one who's healthy, but she only gets a thousand. Mary's only going to keep the thousand. So not only did we use half the assets to pay for care before Medicare and Medicaid kicked on, but now we're getting a third of the income. That could be pretty impactful. So if you're not having this conversation with your advisor, or if the advisor has just said, well, you need to buy long-term care insurance. If that's been their catch-all fix-all, then you need a second opinion. We can't ignore something like this because years and decades of good planning and good saving and good investing can be wiped away from this. 
So we're going to go, uh, we're going to take a break. But for those of you who need a little bit of help with this, you're not getting good advice on this, give us a shout. Give us a call. We can teach you about this or go to one of our workshops. But either way, give the give us our, a call here at our local office, 616-589-4004. That's 616-589-4004. We're in Norton Shores, Grand Rapids, Holland. Um, so we're local, 616-589-4004. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Mike Markey is full of information, but as you probably already know, he gets so excited to give out that information that he speaks at about 900 words per minute with gusts up to 1,300. Now's your chance to get that information at your own pace. Mike has written a book called Fireproof Your Retirement, which can be found on Amazon. It covers many of the same topics we cover during the show, including income planning, asset allocation, gifting, taxes, and much more. As you know, Mike is all about paying it forward. That is why 100% of the proceeds go to local fire departments. Once again, that's Fireproof Your Retirement by Michael Markey, which can be found on Amazon.com. All right, and welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me again today. Thank you to WFUR, WJRW, and WLDN. Thank you to everybody who's listening and joining us again. Now, before the break, we were talking about long-term care expenses. And I know everyone doesn't want to talk about long-term care, and then we start talking about long-term care insurance, and people get scared off because the the cost um, is generally in the thousands of dollars um, per year. And we've heard the horror stories where people are paying five, six, ten thousand dollars for the coverage, and that premium, the amount you have to pay, it just goes up and up and up. And by the time you really need it, when you're in your 80s, the coverage is unaffordable. I get that. So we talked about before the break about using Medicare and Medicaid. How do we um, use those? When do we qualify? So the majority of care, like we said, is paid by Medicare and Medicaid. But how do you qualify? Well. The healthy spouse, the one not going in the nursing home, can keep up to half the assets, or half the assets up to about 125000 So if you have $200,000, they can keep 100000 so half up to one hundred and twenty-five. so they'd get one hundred. And then the income from the spouse going in the nursing home, the nursing home's going to take that. So we see sometimes a big wrinkle here is if the one going in the nursing home, let's say Bob, if Bob's social security is the larger of the two, which oftentimes it is, it's not always, but a lot of times it is, then that gets taken by the nursing home plus half the assets. That's a big deal. Now, I know um, a lot of you listeners have probably heard different attorneys talk about trusts, uh, revocable, and there's two main ones, and I'm not an attorney, so I, and I don't want to be, so I'm going to kind of simplify them. We've got revocable living trusts, and then we've got irrevocable trusts. Now, irrevocable for years meant once you do it, you can't undo it. My understanding of it, and I've talked to several different attorneys, that when we're using a trust for Medicaid purposes, oftentimes there are ways that we can undo it now. And there is more flexibility for this than what there used to be. But a revocable living trust will not protect assets from long-term care. What a revocable living trust does is it helps pass your assets through probate. Helps bypass, I should say, probate and get your assets to go to your loved ones or beneficiaries, charities, whoever it is you've named, quickly, uh, more quickly and easier. So a protection trust, now that does have protection against long-term care expenses and lawsuits. That's why they call it a protection trust. Um, 
The downside to this, though, and I've heard attorneys go, well, we don't like protection trusts. And I'll ask, and I guess I'm kind of blunt, well, why don't you like a protection trust? They go, I don't think most people understand what they're getting into. So, all right, so if they understand it, then then you're good with it. Yeah, well, that's a little bit more aggressive than we'd like to be. Well, how is it more aggressive? Well, we think laws could change. Right, laws can change, and they have in the past. So are you telling me that you think that this wouldn't get grandfathered in if it's already there? Well, we don't know that. Exactly. I've heard others say, well, we don't like a protection trust because we think it's our client's obligation to pay for long-term care expenses if they have the financial capacity to do so. And I think that's overstepping. So a protection trust protects your assets away from, um, it essentially makes it so they can't be counted if you have long-term care expenses. But there is a couple catches. Catch number one, the assets have to be in there for at least five years, 60 months prior to wanting to go and claim um, for Medicare and Medicaid to pay for those type of expenses. The second catch, you can't be your own trustee. Now, I've seen it a few times, but in general, and again, I'm giving you the simplistic overview here. You want this advice, you got to go see an attorney. But typically, from what I've been told, what I've seen is that you can't be your own trustee. You have to have somebody else as a trustee. This gives a level of separation between you and your assets. It's why it will qualify to use um, the assets can be in there, not count for Medicare and Medicaid. So then you got to pick a trustee. Now, here's the concern. Here's what I've heard some attorneys say. Well, if they pick a trustee, that means the trustee has to sign off on everything to do anything. Well, yeah, you're correct. You want to take money out. The trustee has to sign. We want to change the um, investments. The trustee has to sign. But you get to determine who your trustee is. And more importantly, if the trustee at some point doesn't do what you want them to do, you get to change the trustee. It would be like you being the president and nominating, not only getting to nominate whoever you want um, as a Supreme Court justice, but the moment that justice didn't vote the way you wanted them to on a particular issue, that you'd be able to replace them with somebody else because you get to replace your trustee. So here's how that happens. Let's say Bob Jr. is your trustee. And you say, you know what, Bob Jr., we want to start taking out $1,000 a month. So Bob Jr. has to sign on the investment document that sets that up. And Bob Jr. goes, well, mom and dad, Bob Sr. and, and Mary, I don't like the idea of you taking this money out because it's my money and I want to inherit that. Now, I get it, that thing would never happen, but this is fears. These are fears that people have shared with me. Well, guess what, Bob Jr., you're no longer part of this trust. You're no longer a beneficiary. It is our money, not yours. We're not gone yet. And then they name a new trustee. So this whole people don't know what they're getting into. I kind of disagree there. I've had a lot of clients where we've used this and it works. And I think it's got to be a level. This is why we need a team. There's got to be a level of coordination between not only the attorney, the advisor, the client, and now the trustee. We're adding somebody to the mix. We're adding somebody to that team, but it's worked well for our clients. And when an attorney goes, well, I don't like that level of planning because we think it's, um, maybe too aggressive or that the client doesn't know what they're getting into. Well, then make them aware. And if they say, well, we don't like to do this sort of planning, then my question is, then what do you do to protect against the cost of long-term care? And here's what the shocker has been. We've had it come back from an attorney before for a client or, well, they just, my attorney doesn't like that. Okay, cool. What was their backup plan? What did they suggest? Well, they didn't suggest anything. So your plan is just to not plan. Your plan is to have all these assets subject to pay down of expenses. Well, boy, they didn't address that. Well, it's not really their job. But if they're going to tell you 
that they don't like this idea. I'm cool with that because I'm not the attorney. But what's the alternative? We need to have a plan to take care of these expenses because these things are expensive. And if we don't plan for them, they happen. It's going to unravel all the good things we're doing on the investment side, all the good things you're doing on the savings side, all the good things you are doing by having lower debt. It will unravel those things. So what is their plan? Now, let's address the other piece that I've heard. Well, and I had an attorney say this to a client. And they came back and they were baffled. They go, well, my attorney didn't like the, using a protection trust. And I said, well, why is that? And they go, because they believe it's our um, financial responsibility to pay for long-term care expenses if we can afford to. And that's interesting. So they think that just because you've got 800000 that you should pay $100,000 towards care, even though there's tools that are available to everybody that would avoid that. And they go, yeah. And I go, hmm, well, let's look at it this way. By you using Medicare and Medicaid to pay for $96,000 a year of that kind of care, because they'll pay for about $8,000 a month right now. That means the federal government, that means the government is getting 96, they'll have $96,000 less at the end of the year because you claimed than what they would have had otherwise. Is that correct? And they go, yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. Well, cool. If you, so if you don't use a protected trust, if you pay for the care, they get 96,000 extra. And if you don't pay for the care, they get, they have 96,000 less. So here's the thing. Couldn't we just look at it this way and go, hmm, if we allow them to pay for the care, now I'll have $96,000 extra and I could donate that $96,000 to my local church. So the government will have 96,000 less. I won't have to spend 96 for that care, but I could give that 96 to my church. I'm pretty sure that your church or whatever charity you want to use, but your church is going to do far better things with $96,000 um, in their hands than what the federal government's going to do with 96000 I don't know. I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay for that care. And by the way, having a protection trust doesn't mean you can't pay for that care. You could choose still to pay for the care, but it gives the option, the control, it gives that control to you. And Medicaid and Medicare right now will pay up to that $8,000. And what that gets you is a semi-private room with one bathroom two per two rooms. So that's four people per one bathroom. That's a lot. It wasn't fun in college. It's not going to be fun now. But we could add 1000 or $2,000 from that trust back to you. So you get the very top. See, sometimes people go, well, if I'm Medicaid, I'm not going to get very good care. That's not true. We don't. If you walk into a nursing home and ask to see a cash room, an insurance room, Medicaid and Medicare room, they're not going to, when it comes down to the Medicare and Medicaid room, they're not going to take you some dark, dank hallway in the middle of nowhere and go, here it is, in the bowels of the building. No, it's the same room. But Medicare and Medicaid will basically put you in a semi-private room, two people to the room, with one bathroom per two rooms. So that's four people to a bathroom. Not too cool. But if we add 1000 or $2,000 to that because we take it out of the trust, then you go from two people to a room to one. So now it goes from four people to one bathroom to two and two people per room to one. Imagine how much nicer that makes it for family to visit. It's a world of difference. So what I want to make clear here isn't that, you know, everyone should go on Medicaid, but it's we've got planning tools. We can use Medicare and Medicaid to pay for care because you've paid into Medicaid and Medicare for what? Most of you? If you're still working, maybe 10, 20 years. If you're retired, what, 40, 50 years sometimes? And somehow by you using something you paid into for 40 or 50 years for the just in case, just in case I need it, now you need it, and now you're being you know, a mooch off the system. I don't understand how we say that. But if you feel that way, just because you have the assets in the trust, does that prevent you from paying?
You're not obligated to, but then you still could. Does it prevent you from taking those assets you would have otherwise spent on that care and then giving it to a charity? No. So if that's new, if you haven't got that kind of advice before, if you're sitting there and you've got two or 300,000 or five and 600,000, whatever it is, and you don't have a plan to defer these costs, then don't you think it's about time you talk to somebody who can help guide you? Give us a call, 616-589-4004. It's 589-4004. Or uh, find us on the web at LegacyFinancialNetwork, all one word, dot com. That's LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. And you can sign up for our workshops right there. So we're going to take our last break, and then we'll be right back. Based on the current debt situation in the United States, many pre- and post-retirees have become concerned about their Social Security benefit. Receiving that continuous income stream is the foundation of a retirement income plan. To make sure that you maximize your Social Security benefits, it is important to know the answers to these questions. How much Social Security am I going to receive? When should I start receiving my benefits? What are my spousal planning options? Is there an impact on my Social Security if I continue working during retirement? How much is my Social Security benefit taxed? Call Legacy Financial Network at 616-589-4004 today for a copy of your guide to Social Security. All right, and welcome back to the final segment of Fireproof Your Retirement. I am your host, Michael Markey. Thank you again for being with me today. Today, we're talking about long-term care expenses. And I get it, we're talking about big, you know, the thing no one will ever use because I got Smith & Weston. Well, there's, despite the Smith & Weston plan, there's still a lot of people that find themselves in nursing homes and notice what they keep building, assisted living in nursing homes. So this trend isn't changing. The medical um, profession is bound and determined to help people live longer. And the longer you live, the more likely it is that you're going to sometime need this type of care. That's kind of easy, common sense. I think we can all agree on. Now, we talked about how a healthy spouse doesn't lose everything because somebody um, goes into a nursing home. They get to keep half the assets up to $125,000, the house and a car. And then on our second break, second segment, we talked about how a trust can help um, avoid those costs. Then on the second break, we talked about how a trust can help you avoid those costs. And one of the things we didn't talk about, so we can put some assets in there. Some assets we can't put in the protection trust, though, are IRAs. But assets we can are houses, property, cash, savings, non-qualified accounts. Those are accounts you've already paid the tax on. And what's kind of neat is then let's say you've got $400,000 and a paid for house, but $200,000 is in an IRA. So that has to stay into the the account or into the, you know, not into the trust. The other 200,000 can go in the trust and the house. So all of a sudden you go and claim it's again, it's got to be after 60 months, five years, you go and claim one of the things you can own though is a house. Do you own a house? No, your trust owns the house. So we can spend down less than what we otherwise would have had to because we could purchase another house. Now, I don't have enough time to go in that uh, individually. And again, I'm not the attorney. I don't want to be. If you need that type of um, help, you know, it, it pays then to go see a local attorney to help with that. The last thing I want to talk about, though, is um, that extra $200,000 that stays in the account, the IRA dollars. Is it a bad thing to use an IRA to pay for long-term care expenses? One of the most highly touted benefits of long-term care insurance is the fact that the, um, the benefits are tax-free and that you get a tax deduction of part of your premium on your, on your tax return if you're itemizing. Well, I'm going to tell you that that benefit of long-term care insurance is highly overstated because IRA dollars are fantastic, fantastic vehicle 
to pay for long-term care expenses. So let's give a simple scenario. Let's use a single individual first. Let's say the single individual has $30,000 of income and that when they need long-term care at some point in their life, that care is gonna cost, I don't know, let's say 70,000. So they need another $40,000 to pay for that care because if you're single, you're gonna leave, you know, and you go into a nursing home or you have somebody come in, whatever it may be, um, you're gonna have to, you know, you're gonna pay for that extra care. So if you've got 30 grand of income and you go into a nursing home, that 30 grand is gonna go against that care. You don't have any other expenses at that time or very few. So we just need an extra 40. Well, on your tax return, you tax return, you get to deduct healthcare expenses that exceed 10% of your adjusted gross income. So let's make it really simple. And I know I start talking taxes and people get kind of weirded out on me. Long-term care and taxes, you know, that, that certainly gets a lot of people to tune into a radio show. But if your income is 30,000 and then you take out 40, now your new income is 70. What that means is that the first 7,000, 10% of your just gross income. So the first 10% then of your adjusted gross income doesn't count. Now, if that 30,000's social security, it's gonna change the math, but just to keep it simple, 70,000, 7,000 doesn't count. So if you have 60 grand in medical expenses, 53,000 will count as income. So if you take out 40,000 from your IRA to add to the 30 you are already getting, you're gonna get a $63,000 deduction on your tax return. Well, here's simple math. If you take out 40, but you got a $63,000 tax deduction, how much do you owe in tax? What's a positive 40 minus 63? Nothing. Nada. So you get a tax deduction to put dollars into an IRA and it can come out tax free. How cool is that? Tax deduction going in and no tax coming out. That's kind of hard to argue with. That's kind of fun when we do it that way. And a married couple, let's do it this way. Let's say as a married couple, you have $50,000 of income and then husband goes on into a nursing home and you need you know what? Mary still needs 50 grand of income. So you're going to need 70 grand to pay for husband's care. So now your income's 120. 10% of that's 12. So out of that 70,000 that you had to take out of the IRA to pay for Bob's uh, care, the first 12,000 doesn't count. What's that mean? Well, you 12,000 out of the 70 you took out didn't count, which meant 58,000 of it was tax free. So $58,000 out of the IRA, you will not pay tax on. That's pretty darn close to then saying 80% was tax free. How cool is that? That's kind of fun when we do it that way. I've just got to tell you. So IRA dollars used for long-term care expenses, that can be a really good thing. Sometimes we can use a tool now this tool doesn't make sense for everybody. It gets a bad, uh, it gets a bad name, but we can use annuities with a lifetime income benefit rider. When we do that, we got to be cautious of a few things. Number one, fees. But if we use an annuity where the fee is one percent or maybe even less, that, that we're good then. Liquidity. Well, annuities oftentimes limit your liquidity to ten percent. But if you're not over allocating, that'd be fine. You know, if you've got half your assets in there, that's not going to be a problem. But the reason I use this tool and I bring it up now is a lot of times the income in an annuity will double if you ever need help with two out of your six ADLs. That's activities of daily living. That's what the government determines to, to see your qualification for long-term care expenses or you know whether it's at home, assisted living, or in a nursing home. 
So if that income doubles and we use an IRA, now we're using an IRA, which can be largely tax deductible or tax free coming out. Now we can have an increased income uh, if you ever need that type of care. Those things can work well together. And you'll notice how we just talked today um, and gave you a couple options, not self-paying, using a trust or using a trust and IRA assets to pay for. IRA assets can come back out, again, essentially tax-free a lot of times with just a little bit of planning. It always blows me away the number of times people say they're a planner and the things they've never done is talk about Social Security with folks. They've never talked about fees or taxes. The other day I had a story where we were, talk, we were looking at a Roth IRA for a client and she shouldn't be putting in there. And she goes, well, my advisor has made it clear to me that she doesn't really understand taxes. I go, what? Excuse me? How can somebody tell you that you should be putting into a Roth IRA as an investment and they don't understand taxes? How can somebody tell you and help you prepare for long-term care expenses if they don't understand taxes? How can somebody help prepare you for retirement if they don't understand taxes or long-term care or income? These are important pieces. So if you're not getting that level of service, then I encourage you, I urge you to get a second opinion. Go to one of our workshops. You can find us online, LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. That's LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. Or give us a call locally, 616-589-4004. Till next week, I am your host, Michael Markey, and this has been another episode of Fireproof Your Retirement. This has been Fireproof Your Retirement. For more information, contact Michael J. Markey Jr. of Legacy Financial Network. Call toll-free at 855-LF-NETWORK or online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.